This is RMB's Data Analytics Podcast with Matthew Burnett, where we look at the insightful role that data analytics plays for decision makers. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Data Analytics Podcast. I'm Matthew Burnett. I'm the head of data analytics at Rand Merchant Bank. And joining me today is First Rand's newly appointed Chief Data and Analytics Officer, Christoph Neuvot. Christoph, thanks very much for joining us today. Matthew, yeah, nice to be on the show. Eh? Christoph, so until very recently, you were the CEO of F&B Consumer, and you've been in F&B for some time. Why the sudden move to data and analytics? Yeah, okay, I've been in the group for, for quite a while, since about 2004. I uh, did international expansion uh, first. Um, then when the global financial crisis hit, I was running credit um, in, in West Bank initially. Then I moved to um, the chief risk officer role in, in F&B, where I, where I also ran a group credit um, across all markets, including UK. Um, yeah, and then I, then I was CEO of Consumer. You know, what a fantastic opportunity to, you know, fight Capitech and really give our customers uh, fantastic value at the bottom end. But I think I'm kind of back to, you know, my, my, my roots, which is kind of more data analytics. I've got a background in more statistics or, you know, nonlinear optimization. And that's really what, uh, what this is all about. So, Christoph, with your new appointment, what does that mean for our clients and specifically R&B clients? I think giving customers a contextual solution, so so having really um, depth, in-depth insight um, from customers from the data we have, and we've got fantastic data sources. So you know we we process let's say 15 trillion rand of transactions a year. We've got a trillion rand of assets, about a trillion rand of liabilities, a trillion uh, rand of uh, some assured. We've got such good data um, um, of the market that we can give our customers unique insights that they that they wouldn't get somewhere else, and we can really understand them in the context of the industry. So whether you are just serving a customer from a transactional point of view, or we, whether you're doing investment banking deals for customers um, from a credit point of view, you know, we, we we certainly should be able to ask customers a lot less questions and actually give them insights about their business. So you just mentioned something quite key, giving customers insights into their businesses. I mean, my next question to you is, using all the data we have, and you just mentioned we obviously have a significant amount of data, what new products or better services can we offer our clients? Yeah, so one of, one of the products that, that we're productionizing at a, at, a, at a mass scale is Merchant Insights that runs, runs across F&B Commercial as well as obviously um, R&B as well. And that gives customers a view on their own customers. So that's the beauty of this. We, 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 because we, we bank, let's say, 30% of South Africa from an income perspective, we have more than a trillion rand flowing into, into F&B accounts. You know, 30 billion of that gets spent on a month on, a, on plastic swipes, plus there's EFT spent, there's debit orders, et cetera. We have such a good view of the SA economy and what's happening on, 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 on consumers. And we know when we can see where they spend the money, we have even geolocated the POS terminals, not just the F&B terminals, but all terminals across the country. So we can, for, for retailers and for any, a business to consumer facing business we can give them a profile of what their what their um, consumer base looks like what uh, you know how much what is their market share of shopping at a specific brand versus versus other brands we can give such in-depth insights and we are planning to expand this this that's just the the version one i mean the the insights um, on their customers we have is really fantastic and i think that's something that 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 actually no one else uh, would be able to replicate even the big tech firms doesn't have the, you know don't have that kind of in-depth insight on on customer profiles Absolutely. And I mean, you used the term productionize there. Does that mean that clients have access to this report right now if they wanted to get it? Yeah, we're not we're not quite there. I mean, I think we've listed that we've got the, the first 50 in production. Um, but the idea is to actually not just even um, generate a report, 
but to actually have um, data that can be indexed so, so that customers can actually you know have a cube um, on themselves and that they can really understand you know how their businesses are faring you know how they're faring in different different store locations etc how they're faring in, in different customer segments and that they would be able to do some deep dives in it so certainly the idea is to move to a much more sophisticated offering but obviously you start uh, with something a lot simpler and then this same offering if you think about it is really what we would then um, also be able to use from a credit perspective to understand what's happening um, you know um, in the market with our customers we, we should be able to use this data because it's derived from aggregated, de-identified retail data, we should be able to use it um, in on the on the equity side as well. You know, we've we've got you know principal investments, etc. So um, uh, private equity, certainly a lot of value across multiple areas of the bank. Christoph, you often mention platform. You you spoke a little bit about platform here now as well. When clients think of the platform, you know, visualizing the F and B platform is is very easy to do. Of course, there's the banking app and Nav, etc. What does that mean for some of our, our corporate and institutional clients? Yeah, I think for, for the, the, client, the clients currently, if you think about the biggest um, value of interactions on platform is R&B interactions. Um, so, so certainly from a volume perspective, it can't compete you know, with 10 million uh, retail customers clicking on the app. Um, but we do more than a trillion rand of, um, of transactions, payments um, on, on online banking enterprise, which the vast bulk of that. Um, is R&B clients. So our clients are actually interacting with us from a value perspective on client in a, in a, in a very um, a major way. And I think being able to link all the different pieces around the customer, um, we, when we look at that on a CNI perspective, it's actually very complex. And we haven't actually done that as well nearly as well as we as we can across uh, banking and across markets having a single customer view of all the customers assets and liabilities cash flow forecasts transactional behavior you know forex hedging um, pulling all of those views together you know will be incredibly valuable uh, once we get it right completely uh, I definitely agree with you there Christoph Christoph, you mentioned um, the amazing insight that we have into the economy and that other companies might not necessarily have the same sort of insight. I know that you were integrally involved in First Run's COVID initiatives. How did having that insight help us in our interactions with government and other businesses? Yeah, Matt. So I guess, I mean, I had the, I had the, the, the privilege, I guess, um, of getting onto the Business for South Africa Stierco on this. So we had Martin Kingston, Cascavardia, um, um, and we were, we were really showing, the first thing that we showed was that lockdown was going to have a very, very big impact on the economy. So, I mean, I, I say this is uh, like a thermonuclear detonation. So, um, you know, from the April data, we, you know, we, we projected that this would, could have a trillion rand hole in the economy. So on a five trillion rand economy, that is like very, very big. If we did not get out of lockdown, um, you know, at least as fast as we did, and we did not get out of it very fast. I mean, this, the lockdown was way too deep. Um, and, you know, it, uh, uh, but as it is, at least we were able to influence that process by creating a level of transparency around the economic implications. So people still now complain about the economy where, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like they didn't understand the thermonuclear detonation that happened. I mean, April was a complete shocker. Our spend dropped by 60 percent on the FNB base. Now, we are representing a trillion rand of income in our customers. I mean, that is a very, very big drop. Even income dropped by 26% in the, in the month of April. Uh, May was a lot better. June was a lot better. You know, and by, by um, October is the first month that we actually are up 
in, um, in nominal terms. Not really quite in real terms, but we are up in spend uh, from where we were um, in February. So I actually think, I am actually quite bullish about the economy. So we've been talking about this for the last month. I think the equity markets have actually now seen, you know, some people have actually come out of COVID really well. Spar Group just had a, had a, had a huge run. And we were talking about Spar. We were saying how Spar was actually outperforming COVID, you know, and they would actually be a beneficiary. And there are many companies like that that actually um, came out of COVID pretty well. And, and the laggards, we were also then again lobbying government. I mean, the tourism, um, travel, accommodation, you know, they were still, we were still showing more than 20% income losses. Um, in those in those sectors, and and, and and we were really happy when when the president announced that you know um, things would be normalised in terms of travel. We would allow international travel, etc. I think at the same time you have to balance the health implications. So government maybe in some instances you know they have to do what they need to do in terms of curfews, in terms of size of gatherings, in terms of mask wearing protocols, etc. They absolutely have to do that. But that's got very little to do with shutting down the formal economy, which we simply just cannot afford. And and actually our data shows it has very little bearing on actually the spread of the disease. Christoph, you've spoken about the amount of data we have and how that's enabling us to make quicker, faster decisions and almost moving humans out of the loop in certain aspects of those decisions. In the new world of data and analytics, will there still be a need for the humans that we have working for organizations or will everything be largely automated? Yeah, I think that's that's the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, you know, that's that's the biggest issue for for many people, which I think is actually completely fair. That is the biggest issue we face. But if you look at the, the let's say the the two leading proponents um, of technology in the world, being the U.S. and China, and even a, a country like Japan, they have got incredibly low unemployment rates. Because the fact is that using technology makes them significantly more efficient than other markets. That means they're a better able to compete internationally with other countries. If you are a poor adopter of technology and if you have lagging practices, as a country, you are going to be a loser. And that basically means on an international trade balance, you are going to be um, uncompetitive. So we absolutely have no choice but to actually participate in this. So, you know, um, there, there, there are only two two kinds of companies in the world. Those that are already using data or those that are going to be using data, or the third one would be those that don't going to be around anymore. So that's why only two categories. But okay, um, I think, th so So if you look at between the banks as well, um, um, so First Rand certainly has been a net employer um, of staff over the last decade. One of the big reasons is because technology has allowed us to be actually be more productive, and therefore we can afford to hire staff because we are productive. If you are unproductive, you're not using technology wisely, yes, then you sit with an overhang and you actually, it, it becomes an economically unaffordable. So I do think that technology is not, is not the problem. It actually is an essential part of the solution. Thank you for listening to RNB's Data Analytics with Matthew Bernath podcast. Subscribe now for more episodes.